Welcome to the AIPT Movies Podcast with your hosts, Alex Harris. And with them, as always, are Tim Geiner and Matt Paul. Good enough. That was good. We're, that was pretty close. Pretty close. Again, it's so you weird guys. that I can hear you guys now. Hey. I know, right? Like, what's going on, Discord? I don't know. Maybe our, our clapping has gotten gotten weaker as the older we get. Maybe. We're just <laughs> just less strength in our bodies. Frail, you know. Can't muster the strength. Life has sucked the clapping strength out of us. Suck the clap <laughs> out of us. Thank God, yeah. finally something. <laughs> finally. Good. Finally something good happened. Chlamydia? <laughs> <laughs> all, those, all those amethysts and ruby quartzes I've been rubbing on my body finally paid off. Yeah, yeah. It's hilarious the idea of us talking about three of the most like boring boy scouty dudes on the board. <laughs> which I say as a compliment. Like like oh the clap. <laughs> That's a thing some dudes end up with. Back in the war. Back, yeah, back in the war. My beloved Claudia. It is with heavy heart I write to you this day to report that it burns when I urinate. My god. Tim had a stroke the other day. It was tragic. <laughs> no, that's probably you. what I'm going to come in on. It's that, just as you nope, say that. that's what that. I'm coming on. <laughs> <laughs> no explanation. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> anyway. 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 Hello and welcome to the AIPT Movies Podcast. I'm Alex Harris. I'm an independent writer slash director. You may know me from my movie about a vicious alien hunter stalking a Native American warrior who must learn the art of the hunt while also holding onto a precious antique pistol that she promised would only go to a deserving warrior, possibly even one that doesn't exist until 700 years in the future. The thrilling sci-fi horror survivor film, you know what I'm talking about, Prey of the Predatory Alien Species, starring Amber Midthunder's middle school babysitter, and Tim Gardner as the Predatory Alien Species. Grrr. <laughs> that's, that's my Predatory Alien Species sound effect. <laughs> Completely unique and not copyright infringing. I, I don't know if this movie's actually coming out this weekend or not, but I'm sure it won't be overshadowed by anything bigger and similar. No, fuck no, this is a dead weekend. There's nothing coming out. <laughs> Hi, I'm Tim Gardner, man suit actor, contortionist, mom, green suit guy. You may know me from my work in the movie Nope. Uh, you guys remember the part where there's a bunch of wacky, waving, arm-flailing, inflatable tube men, and they move so gracefully, it's hard to believe there's not actually a living creature inside them? Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, how the fuck did they do that? <laughs> like, I was on set. I studied them for hours looking for the people inside controlling them, but no luck. Like, right when I was close to a breakthrough, Jordan Peele told me to get out of the shot, film my scene for the movie, and go home. I mean, it was weird, too. Like, he asked me to put on a costume that made me look like a lady's shoe and just, like, stand there. <laughs> I, I asked him why I was doing it, like, what it meant in the movie, and Jordan pulled me aside and told me, keep this under your hat that looks like a lady's shoe. But I have no fucking idea what it means, either. Can you believe that? I'm I'm sorry. I'm 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 kind of in a rotten mood, fellas. They almost hired me as my secret alter ego, Jim Jim Farmer, to play Harry in the Harry and the Henderson sequel, which I've already been fired off of two previous times, both as myself and as Tom Planner. But then, you know, my arch nemesis and terrible fucking suit actor Wilson Montanaro, he revealed who I really was before we could film another scene. 
And now that entire production is shut down. Can you believe that? Fucking heartbroken, man. Hi, I'm Matt Paul. <laughs> and I'm just a guy on a podcast. I'm certainly not a script doctor. And anyone who says I am should be forced to watch something so intensely boring they can barely remember to make fun of it with their friends. Speaking of The Gray Man, did you guys see that movie? It was kind of awful. Uh, yeah, Matt, didn't you doctor the script for The Gray Man? I did. <laughs> Matt, we, we know you're a script doctor. You don't have to pretend with us. No, I'm serious. I honestly have absolutely no memory of working on that movie. It's like that movie is the real-life version of those memory eraser things from Men in Black. What have I done? What have I become? Was it my idea to waste Jessica Henwick like that? I hope I at least suggested that mustache for Chris Evans since it was the highlight of the movie. <laughs> Matt, are you okay? Let's let's take a break and go grab you something from the fully operational chilies on the other side of the wall. Okay, that sounds good. Thanks for offering to pay for it as well. I, I didn't. Are you coming, Tim? Drinks, entree, and dessert on Alex. Nah. No, it's okay. I'll, I'll stay here and study this wacky waving inflatable arm failing tube, man, that I bought in order to master its moves. I thought I perfected it when I worked on that Hawkeye show, but working on Nope showed me how wrong I really was. Okay, cool. We'll be right back. <laughs> All right, wacky waving inflatable arm failing tube guy, show me your secrets. <laughs> what? Did you? No, wait. For for a second, I thought that thing made out of plastic was actually talking. Wait, did I accidentally grab Mickey Rourke instead? Help me! <laughs> Jesus, impossible! Guys, Alex, Matt, get in here. The tube guy's alive. Wrong again, Timothy. Ah, oh, my arch nemesis and terrible suit actor Wilson Montanero. You were this tube guy the entire time. Dude, I slept I slept snuggled up with you in bed last night in order to understand the soul of a tube man. Indeed. And I had to pee all night, but every time I tried to sneak out of bed, this atrocious suit would squeak and wake you up. What the, what the hell are you doing here, Wilson? Haven't you done enough to me? You sabotaged my role as Harry in the Harry and Henderson sequel, then sabotaged my alter ego, Tom Planter's role in it, and you even managed to sabotage my alternate alter ego, Jim Farmer's role in it, before I even filmed a single day. Now the whole production's on hold until they find someone to finish filming, and who knows when that'll even be. I'm also writing out variations of my real name in order to get the part back, like... Mitt... Grower? Rim... Landscaper? None of these work, Wilson. I know, that's what I'm here. Not because I feel bad, because obviously I don't, but because I have nothing to do while the production is stalled and I'm bored. I was also pretending to be a dog, Vivi, for a few days, which was a terrible strain on my core muscles. So that's why Vivi was cooking her own meals? Oh my god. Okay, fine, I admit. I've gone too far. In my attempts to torture you and ruin your career, I have been hoisted by my own petard. I've always dreamed of playing an evil Sasquatch with a cool vest and a blue furhawk, and my dreams came true when I was cast as the villain Yirach in the Harry and the Henderson sequel, but now they may never be able to finish the film due to my own fiendish machinations. Wilson, I'm sure, I'm sure it'll be fine, man. They'll find someone else to play Harry, unfortunately. That's just it! 
They've auditioned every suit actor in the biz and none of them have your flexibility. <coughs> With pay, all the others want to be paid a living wage, which could completely throw off the budget of the movie. Also, the director claims they're not as good as you or something, which is obviously his way of claiming they're all dramatically better, I'm sure. Wilson, I don't know what you want from me. Like, you wanted me off the project and then you got what you wanted. I've I, I've got to move on. I'm I'm determined to play the wacky waving an arm inflatable tube guys in the Nope sequel. Since I'm guessing they were the main threat in the movie. I mean, I was there for multiple days of filming, and I, I couldn't figure out the damn thing. What if I maybe confess that I framed you and got you kicked out of the Suit Actors Guild? I mean. I'm sure that would help, but that doesn't sound like something you'd do since you hate my guts. As loathsome as it is to admit, I do not hate your guts, Timothy. In fact, your guts are one of the only things I like about you. You're a very brave suit actor, maybe the bravest. Suit acting is all about guts, both having them metaphorically and possibly having some surgically removed so you can better fit into your costumes. (laughs) Yeah, that's funny. That's something my mentor used to say, the iconic suit actor, Montgomery Nero. I used to call him Monty for short. I'm assuming I'm the first person to ever think of that. That's funny. I used to call him Dad for short. (gasps) What? Monty Nero is Wilson Montanero's thought? That doesn't make sense! Your last names are similar, but not exactly the same. Wilson Montanaro is a stage name, a pseudonym. When my mother gave birth to me after working on the biggest superhero movie of 1989 based on a DC Comics property, The Return of Swamp Thing, she forbid my father from being part of my life. She was a married woman. Her affair had to be kept secret, so she named me something inconspicuous to make her husband think he was my father. My birth name is Swampy. Swampy Lockley, I mean just Swampy. But my gifts as a suit actor were simply too strong. I was wearing costumes and mastering mime before I could walk. I stuck onto a bus when I was three and disguised myself as my stepdad's drum set for an entire European tour. Mother eventually told me who my real father was, and I chose to follow my dreams. I didn't want to capitalize off my father's real name, so I combined his entire name into one single beautiful surname. So, I guess, like, where did Wilson come from? Oh my god. Wait a second. How did I not see this before? You named yourself after the part your father almost won an Oscar for. That's right! The volleyball from Castaway! The truth was right in front of you this entire time, Timothy! Well, then why did you come after me? Why do you hate me so much? When I was old enough, I tracked my father down. You can imagine my surprise when I found out he took on a young apprentice. You. I disguised myself as a coffee table and watched you and my father live the life I wanted to live. Bonding, going fishing, playing catch, putting on a baseball costume and a catcher's mitt costume to play catch for suit actors. You had everything I wanted. He was your better rather than mine. He gave you everything. He taught you the ways of the suit actors guild, such as always wearing trench coats, never fighting on holy ground, and always carrying a sword so that you can duel other suit actors to the death in order to get their suit actor powers. I had to learn all that stuff the hard way, by watching the movie that bastardized our traditions with the help of that charlatan and brief suit actor Clancy Brown, the 1986 film Highlander. Dude, don't get me started on Clancy Brown. See, most people don't remember that he played the monster in that weird Frankenstein movie from 1985, The Bride, just one year before he was on Highlander. 
I can't believe he revealed all of our secrets to the producers. Originally, Highlander was just going to be about dudes who like to do flips in parking garages after going to wrestling matches. And it would have been incredible, I know! (laughs) Seriously, right? Wilson, listen. Your dad was always heartbroken that you weren't part of his life. He knew you existed. He just didn't know what happened to you. He even called me Swampy a few times back then, which, you know, I didn't get at the time. I just assumed it was because I smelled bad from being stuck in a foam latex suit under hot studio lights all day. He called you Swampy? He did, Wilson. He even did it right before he told me to behead him so I could get his suit actor powers. I never knew that I meant so much to him. I've spent all these years being so jealous of you, hating you, sneaking into your house and throwing out one half of every pair of socks you own. What have I done? Wilson, it's okay. I forgive you. (laughs) You do? Of course. Your father told me that grudges are a lot like your lower ribs when you're trying to contort your body into difficult positions. They just tend to get in the way. He gave me all sorts of beautiful wisdom before I chopped his head off with a katana. Thank you, Timothy. I guess I'll have my henchmen release your wife from custody now. Whoa, what? And you know what? I'm going to get you back into the Suit Actors Guild, and I'm going to get you rehired as Harry in the Harry and the Henderson sequel. It's the least I could do. Oh my... You'd really do that? Yes, of course. The only problem is that with the production shut down, John Lithgow finally agreed to appear in the Cliffhanger sequel, still cliffhanging, The Return of Eric Quaylen. So now the only times we'd be able to reschedule shooting for is on Wednesday nights starting around 7pm, and also during every weekend in September. But I record this podcast on Wednesday nights at 7pm. And Alex was talking about doing test shoots for his movie Hired Guns during the weekends in September. What problematic and coincidental timing! Passes! Well, you have some time to decide. The process of reinstatement for the Suit Actors Guild typically takes a little under a month, or more precisely, the duration of three podcast episodes counting this one. I'll get you back into the Guild, but by the end of your 45th podcast episode, you'll need to decide if you want to keep working with Alex and Matt, or if you want to play the role of your dreams, Harry and Harry and the Hendersons 2, the squatting. <sighs> okay, I guess I have some thinking to do. Good thing this podcast takes effectively no mental concentration whatsoever. Thanks, Wilson. I mean, thanks, Swampy. You're welcome, Tim. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to disguise myself as the koozie for Alex's iced coffee so that I can pop out and scare him later. Jesus! Thanks for all that food, Alex. I'm not super hungry currently, but it should help feed me, my wife, and kids for the next week or so. Hope it wasn't over your credit limit or anything. Uh, no problem. I mean, 20, 20 to go orders isn't what I had in mind, but if it cheered you up, I, I'm okay with it. Nah, I'm still pretty upset, but thanks for trying. Oh, hey, you okay, Tim? You seem a little frazzled. No, uh, yeah, no, I'm good. I just, you know, got, got a lot on my mind is all. All right, cool. Wow, my coffee seems really heavy all of a sudden. Anyway... Once again, in an affront to my hopes of getting this podcast big enough that I can get a green light for my Soprano spinoff idea where Tony's daughter, Meadow, secretly controls the family with her brother, AJ, as the powerless figurehead for the overly traditional and sexist mafia, we have some corrections from the previous episode. Uh, first, I'm sorry for talking over uh, Tim saying, I've played many asses. I didn't hear you say it at the time, and then I heard it when I was editing, and that, that, was, that was pretty funny. 
<laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad you've apologized. Consider consider the hatchet buried. <laughs> Um, We were also talking about the term uh, hooked up with uh, in reference to that BJ Novak movie Vengeance. And we were saying that it used to be a pretty Massachusetts term. And I suggested it might even have been a very Quincy term. But I I could not find any evidence to support that whatsoever, despite my attempts to uh, internet. Uh, But what are you going to do? I mean, what we're going to do is have to wait 100 years for, uh, you know... (laughs) you know, uh, phonetic archaeologists to really do the deep dive that is required. I'm hoping that'll be one of the things they really jump on. (laughs) Big priority for them, I'm sure. Uh, Also, we mentioned uh, how Tim watched the special edition of Alien Resurrection, and uh, and we talked about some of the differences between the special edition and the theatrical edition. Um, First, I just wanted to mention that the special edition is about seven minutes longer, um, and the Theatrical cut is considered the director's cut as far as Jean-Pierre Genot is concerned. Makes sense to me. Yeah, you know, um, the differences are the opening sequence, as we mentioned, with the fly and all that stuff. Uh, I couldn't figure out who the actor is, but it does not appear to be Joss Whedon. I don't know where I got that from. It was probably because his weird hairline. I just like assumed. (laughs) I don't know. Um, One of the other differences that when Ripley wakes up and Ripley wakes up and breaks the arm of a scientist after they remove the queen chestburster from her, Mm -hmm. they show clone Ripley some pictures, uh, seemingly one of which is supposed to be Newt from Aliens and Ripley gets a little emotional. See, I thought it was, I thought it was just random images and this image, like, oh, this image was a blonde girl. girl? Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I think that's what kind of like, oh, genetic memory. Oh, pain. Right, right, right. I think. I mean, I, if that was I'm supposed sure you, to be nude, it was terrible. <laughs> now that I think back to what I was reading, because it's been a long time since I watched the special edition, it did It did not specifically say nude. I thought maybe they were ambiguous because they couldn't get Carrie Hen, like, uh, image rights or something. But I'm sure you're right. It was probably just happened to be a blonde girl. I still think it's funny. I ended up watching the special edition, and here we are talking about it, and I'm just the one idiot that did. So, <laughs> I, I mean, I have seen it before. I've seen it too. Yeah. No, yeah. I know, but we were. <laughs> it was just I was so out of step. <laughs> there is also an additional conversation between Renona Ryder's character Call and Ripley, where Call explains why she wants to kill the Xenomorphs, and Ripley references a young girl again, a, a Newt, but can't remember her name. And she talk, and Ripley talks about having nightmares about Xenomorphs all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's like small bits here and there, like a reveal that Waylon Yutani was bought by Walmart. Along with other slight re-edits and extensions of existing scenes. And then the alternate ending where they land in a destroyed Paris. But that's... And that alternate ending fucking rips, man. It's... I've Yeah. It's, it's pretty dark. It should be... Yeah, I think... <laughs> yeah. I think it's... I think... Yeah. I think Jeannot should really reconsider that in terms of calling the theatrical release the director's cut. I'd say that's the only thing the series real... The, the theatrical cut is really missing, is that. Yeah, yeah. Although I like the new callbacks. That's kind of sweet. Of course. Of course. Because it, it gives more context for uh, how she views Call. Right. Also, that we were talking about whether or not Ripley landed when she fell through... When she was pulled through the grate near the end of the movie, whether she landed on aliens or nesting materials. Also, was that supposed to be a sex scene with one of the aliens? These are highly contested parts of the movie. Most seem to think it's nesting materials with a, th- with a few aliens mixed in. Uh, mm. And most seem to believe that the alien is simply carrying Ripley, as is stated in the novelization of the movie, and that the scene is implied to be erotic to show her embracing the alien part of herself rather than it, than it being a literal alien 
sex scene. I think if anyone who actually thinks any sex is happening does not know how sex works between... <laughs> Dude, I, I saw people online like saying she's clearly having sex with the alien. Like oh, some God. people are like, but like she's clearly moving down like a hallway or whatever during that shot. Yeah, she's like, be, she's, she's being, being carried. carried. Yeah. She's being carried. It's very clear. It, it's just supposed to be, a, I think it's supposed to be romantic. Like they're trying to make it seem like sure. a romantic scene. That's it. Fine. I will accept that. However, these people should just, should reflect upon themselves. <laughs> what they've said. Their poor parents it. told them that sex was just a man, you know, a man and a woman carrying each other or possibly yeah, not a man and, and a go, woman. But Right. And then they go water a flower and yeah. that flower turns into a baby. <laughs> they just, when two people love each other, they carry each other through a gross hallway and then a baby is born. Special hug. A special hug. Right, right. Also, we talked about how the character Purvis, uh, how delayed his chestburster was. And apparently, according to the novelization, Purvis uh-huh. has a thyroid issue that makes him a less suitable host, which results in his chestburster taking longer to gestate. Interesting. Wait, whoa. Yeah. So you're telling me that the secret to in- to impinging upon an alien's takeover is just stack it full of slightly unhealthy people (laughs) well like that's one of the things i was seeing it's it apparently the novelization is the only thing that really puts any sort of credence in this but Mm -hmm. it's you know i guess it could explain some of the wildly irregular gestation times in the movies if the health of the host affects the gestation period i don't know Mm. that's just some world war z bullshit (laughs) Also, I mentioned how I love the uh, dangerous shaft scene in the movie, and I said, I mentioned Deep Blue Sea has one as well, and I said maybe that's a 1997 thing. I don't know how I fucking confuse this, but Deep Blue Sea came out in 1999. I am incredibly upset with myself. I, I, If I could, I would sacrifice myself to two you know, to multiple giant genetically engineered sharks because of and it. And since in, in lieu of that, Alex, we do ask that you kindly return your hat that is <laughs> shaped like a shark's fin. <laughs> you know, it just, I, I didn't mean to make waves, you know? Um, <laughs> also, one of the things I think that makes, that I thought about after this is I think part of the reason the newborn is so weird in Alien Resurrection is because it looks too much like the baby from that dinosaur show. <laughs> it, it even kind of acted like it like it might as well have said not the mama when it killed the queen <laughs> Some, someone out there have, must have made an edit of that where he just goes like not the mama and then takes the face <laughs> off the queen <laughs> That would have been great. Here, Sinclair. <laughs> oh, wait, so you gotta find um isn't there a song like I'm the baby not the mama nah, 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 nah. oh yeah then was there was a song I think I think there's a song you should find it and put it in And finally, Matt's audio sounded a little off again. We're honestly not sure what the issue was, to be honest. Uh, hopefully, it's cool this week. I don't know. I don't know. We did our best. I don't know what I'm doing with technology. I think that's the main <laughs> issue. So, bear with me, listener. Listener. Sometimes technology can't can't reproduce accurately the dulcet tones of Matt Paul. There you go. It's true. You know. That's, that, but that's probably what it is. All right. That's it for corrections. Let's move on to some news. Probably the biggest news this week. Uh, In the wake of their merger with Discovery, Warner Brothers has scrapped the nearly complete Batgirl movie starring Leslie Grace with no plans to ever release it. 
Some reports claim the movie was scrapped due to the movie being good but not theatrical enough, while others claim the movie is being scrapped because it's terrible. Wait, when a movie is terrible, you can just not release it? Asked the producers of the Sonyverse. <laughs> Take a few notes, Sony. <laughs> I can't, I, I'm like blown away that they did that. It's fucking crazy. It is nuts. I mean, like, has that ever happened? No, not not yeah, with anything well, of this scale. Yeah. Yes, of this scale. It's a, and especially in the age of streaming. Like, yeah. you tell me you don't want to put this on HBO? What the like, fuck? Yeah. Right? Probably the closest example I can think of is the infamous Roger Corman Fantastic Four movie, but that was never intended to be released. Right. That's mm. yeah, much different. Different era, too. Yeah. I, I'm. It's It's crazy. It's crazy. I'm shocked. And I think that's like it, one of the things I keep reading on like Twitter from professionals who work in the, you know, the movie biz. Other than us. Other than us, obviously. Is that, <laughs> um, is that they're like, why put all this work into like a, a movie if they could, if it can just not be released at all? You know, like that's typically one of the unspoken rules of Hollywood that once you start going, you're good. You know, and so like it's once like, they fin, like it took them like basically finishing it to completion to realize oh wait this sucks yeah <laughs> like there's no way you know yeah yeah and and it's had at least one test screening i've heard two but i've heard it at least one test screening and the people who've seen it apparently said it was fine even with incomplete effects and all this stuff uh you know i mean i did love the costume i like the costume great. too yeah i you know i and I like the directors uh, whose names I can't remember right now, and, and I don't want to attempt to say it because I'll butcher them. Um, they made the third Bad Boys movie, which I thought was was pretty good, considering it they had to follow my boy Michael Bay. And uh, they directed a bunch of episodes of Miss Marvel, and to my understanding, those were some of the best episodes. Um, so, I, really shocking. What does Ezra Miller have on these guys? Because <laughs> his shit's still coming out, and he's a fucking train wreck. My understanding is that the Flash movie, the budget is up to almost three hundred million, so they can't oh, afford to it's not sunk it's, costs. It's too big to fail, you know. Um, <laughs> we should. Morbius says checkmate. <laughs> Whereas apparently the um, the Batgirl movie was around ninety million or less, and apparently they've managed to find some crafty way where they can just write off the entire movie tax wise, which oh I don't know is giving me weird deja vu vibes. I don't. It is strange. Hmm. I don't know. Strange. Anyway, Jake Gyllenhaal is starring in a Roadhouse reboot for Amazon Prime with famously shitty <laughs> MMA fighter Conor McGregor making his acting debut in the film. Here's hoping Jakey G takes his coked up energy from ambulance up another notch and accidentally rips out McGregor's throat for real. <laughs> <laughs> and for, for the record, we're not saying he was a bad MMA fighter. We're saying he's famously shitty. In general. He's a terrible person. <laughs> and I guess his I don't character. want him to actually have his throat ripped out, but... <laughs> Dislocated, maybe. <laughs> DC League of Super Pets has underperformed at the box office. WB Discovery is disappointed, but they say it's okay, and they're just going to take the Super Pets to a nice farm where they can run and play with that Batgirl movie all day long. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Too dark? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Christopher McQuarrie has revealed that Nick Offerman is joining the cast of Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 2, the eighth film in the Mission Impossible series. Hiding out with the IMF? Man, 
Ron Swanson will do anything to get away from Tammy, too. (laughs) (laughs) Are are Parks and Rec references still funny in this day and age? I think people like that show still. (laughs) Yeah. Now that it's on Peacock all the time, I feel like people forgot it existed. (laughs) Nah, I mean, everyone knows Nick Offerman as Ron Swanson. He's still a very monolithic. Tammy. (laughs) Tammy. (laughs) (laughs) Give me all the eggs and bacon that you have. There's a... uh, (laughs) There's this podcast, Light the Fuse. It's a Mission Impossible podcast. And for like the big 200th episode, they had uh, Christopher McQuarrie was on it and Tom Cruise was on it. And they had Nick Offerman on it. And that was technically how they like announced that he was in the movie. But they recorded the podcast a while ago and then they revealed it before the podcast came out. Um, And in it, they're trying to get information about the movie from everyone there like all the people they're interviewing and nick offerman just starts making stuff up in his like his like dry tone he's like yeah it's around there that i kill simon Pegg's character oh wait whoops uh i mean (laughs) it was pretty great good on him yeah (laughs) john favreau tried to convince the russo brothers not to kill tony stark in avengers endgame oh that's the one you tried to talk marvel out of killing asked aunt may I mean, what the fuck, Happy? Yeah, I know. Jeez. Martin Scorsese and Leonardo DiCaprio are set to reunite for a shipwreck thriller called The Wager at Apple Studios. Man, those two are practically inseparable. Kind of like Ezra Miller and Assault Charges. (laughs) Matt! (laughs) Jeez, wow! You bitch! <laughs> I tell it like it is. I tell it like it is. Uh, nothing funny about salt charges, but you know, let's make fun of Ezra Miller because they're being crazy. He's a piece of crap. Oh, I'm sorry, they're a piece of crap. Right. Reese Witherspoon says Top Gun Maverick has been an inspiration for a potential Legally Blonde three. I don't have a joke, but seriously, if Legally Blonde three is about a super successful Elle Woods coming back to train a bunch of young law students who doubt her ability but have to eat their words when they find out just how damn good Elle Woods is, I would watch the shit out of that movie. And this just in, Tim just learned that there was a Legally Blonde two. There was. I saw it in the theater. <laughs> Wow. It was a theatrical release. <laughs> it was. <laughs> Whoa. It was about it was about Elle Woods going to Washington to try to pass some bill to oh protect God. like animals somehow. It, she named the bill after her dog ba- Baxter. I think is this dog her dog's name Baxter's Bill or something like that. It's it's I, it's not nearly as good as the first one. I no. <laughs> <laughs> Taryn Egerton. Apparently came very close to playing young Han Solo in the Star Wars prequel film. Sometimes Egerton wonders if he made the wrong decision. But Alden Ehrenreich always reassures him as he hands Egerton his coffee at Starbucks. (laughs) What has he been up to? (laughs) It's a very good question and I will research that immediately. I thought he was... It wasn't his fault. (laughs) It wasn't his fault. He was actually, I thought he was actually a very good young Han Solo, personally. I thought so, right. too. The, the mistake so too. was making a young Han Solo movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was in Hail Caesar. But that came out, like, right before it. It came out two years before. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, he's in Oppenheimer. Oh, okay. Uh, but then again, everyone is. <laughs> okay, touche. <laughs> so, I don't know. Well, well, hopefully, he doesn't deserve, like, he doesn't deserve the shit for, for that movie. So, hopefully, you know, he's fine. That's what we'll say. Yes. Kevin Feige has revealed that Marvel's Fantastic Four movie will not be another origin story. 
Instead, they'll cut straight to the scene of Reed sending revenge nudes to his high school girlfriend. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I mean, you're honestly telling me he doesn't have weird incel energy. I mean, come on, it's Reed Richards. What, Reed Richards? Yeah. Reed Richards and Hank Pym are some of the <laughs> bastardy <laughs> Fucks See that? Marvel. That's one of the funniest things that's about the potential casting for a Fantastic Four movie is that there's very there's two very different schools of thought about Reed Richards. People, some people think he's like this really like nice, kind, smart, you know, harmless dude like a John Krasinski, and then other people think he's like in way too smart, secret like sociopath, kind of like what's his name from uh, It's Always Sunny. <laughs> Dennis. Yeah, like a lot of people think he should play. I can't remember the actor's name, but a lot of people think he should play him. Um, you know, because of the implication. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. No. It, well, in, a, in all fairness, it's because he's been trade. He's been betrayed both of those ways by numerous writers in, yeah. in the comics. So that's why, folks. Yep. So it's going to be interesting to see which way they go with it. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna go. With, listen, they went softball on Hank Pym yeah. in the movies in the MCU, so right. they're gonna maybe maybe they'll give Reed Richards a little bit of an edge by making him like some kind of flaw. Maybe he'll be an alcoholic or something. I don't yeah, know. I mean, if they didn't make Tony an alcoholic, they probably won't make him one. He was, yeah, he was. it was the subtle. First movie, it was subtle. subtle. It was subtle. Ben Affleck is apparently going to return as Batman in a small cameo appearance for Aquaman in the Lost Kingdom. The cameo role was originally played by Michael Keaton, but due to the Aquaman sequel now coming out before The Flash, which introduces the alternate universe Keaton Batman, they asked Affleck to play Batman instead so as to not confuse audiences. I think I can speak for countless exhausted DC fans when I say, Gah! Okay, wait. Um, <laughs> At this point, I just don't fucking care. Just, like, make decent movies. <laughs> so, but isn't Michael Keaton playing Batman in Batgirl? Well, not anymore. That we'll never see? Yeah. That we'll never see, correct. That is correct, Matt. So, like, how, like, was that, like, an alternate? So, in the Flash movie, the Flash movie is supposed to come out before Aquaman and Batgirl. And in the Flash uh, movie, the Flash goes to an alternate universe where he meets Keaton Batman. And then due to yeah. some crazy blah, 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 blah stuff. And, and and Ben Affleck is in the beginning of this Flash movie. Um, due to some multiverse meddling from, from the Flash, at the end of the movie, originally, it was supposed to be that now there is like a new DCEU that is almost the exact same with one of the primary differences being that Michael Keaton is Batman instead of Ben Affleck. Yeah. I don't know why exactly, but that was their plan. Even though he's old. Yeah. Well, and and I think now with all the shit happening with Batgirl being shelved and this changing and them very possibly at this point making some serious changes to the end of The Flash, like with some people saying that they might still do some multiverse stuff and have The Flash suddenly be a different actor. I wouldn't be surprised if they just keep Affleck. I don't know. I, I, I have no idea because at this point, Ben Affleck is like cool with playing Batman as long as it's not like in anything serious. You know, if they right. only want him to show up as Batman in like cameos and the DCEU se stuff separate from the Matt Reeves movies, he might be down to do it. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the fuck is going on anymore. Hey, neither do they. Exactly. MGM has reportedly lost the Tomb Raider movie rights, prompting a Hollywood bidding war. 
I mean, can you blame them? A movie based around a video game where the protagonist hunts for treasure and gets into wacky adventures? A surefire hit like that could be the female-led version of Uncharted. I mean, right? They got to get that Uncharted money. Yeah. Did that movie make money or and was just reviewed horror? No, it didn't make a lot of money, right? It kind of bombed. It did not. It did not. It it you can say here's what you can say about the Uncharted film. It it was released. <laughs> it exists. It existed, unlike the cowards at WB Discovery, which is a woof, what a mouthful. <laughs> oh. I take that back. Uncharted did make its budget back and then some. It cost 120. It made 401 in the box office. Oh, okay. So it made money, but. But who knows how much went to marketing and stuff like that. So who knows how much of an actual right. profit it was. Right. Hollywood accounting. Oh, boy. All right. Well, that's it for news. Let's move on to new releases. New in theaters is Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. When a group of rich 20-somethings plan a hurricane party at a remote family mansion, a party game turns deadly in this fresh and funny look at backstabbing, fake friends, and one party gone very, very wrong. The thriller is directed by Helena Reen? <laughs> sure. I'm going to say Helena Reen. It stars yeah. Lee Pace, Rachel Sinat, Sino, Pete Davidson, Amandla... <laughs> A man, yeah, yeah, Amandla, Amandla, Amandla Stenberg, and Maria Bakalova. Bakalova from uh, from Borat's Borat's daughter, I believe. Yeah, good for her. Yeah. Uh, did you like the fake out? I'm not leading with prey. I, I know. Look at you. Sne- <laughs> that way, it's sneaking in, just like a real predator. Yeah, um, I can't do the predator sound. <laughs> uh, new in theaters is Bullet Train. Five assassins aboard a fast-moving bullet train find out their missions have something in common. The On Rails Action is directed by <laughs> David Leitch. It stars Brad Pitt, Joey King, Aaron Taylor Johnson, Brian Tyree Henry, Hiroyoku Sanada, and Michael Shannon. I don't know about that one. I'm, I'm, I keep going back and forth on it. I want to like. I want to like it. We'll see what happens. Yeah. yeah, I like the idea of Brad Pitt doing an action movie. Yeah. New to streaming is Prey. The origin story of the Predator in the world of the Comanche Nation 300 years ago. Naru, a skilled female warrior, fights to protect her tribe against one of the first highly evolved Predators to land on Earth. The sci-fi film is directed by Dan Trachtenberg. It stars Amber Mid-Thunder, Dakota Beavers, Harlan Blaine, Kit Wyatt, and Dane Delegro. Yeah, it, supposedly it's really good. Yeah, I'm I'm tentatively excited. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Can't wait to find out when that musket comes from. <laughs> New to on demand is Tin Can. As the world faces a deadly plague, a frontlines pa- parasitologist is imprisoned in a life suspension chamber. To escape, she must destroy the last of her kind. The horror thriller is written and directed by Seth A. Smith and co-written by Darcy Spidal. It stars Anna Hopkins, Simon Mutabazi, Michael Ironside, I love that guy, Amy Treffery, Tim Dunn, and Chick White. Not to be confused with that uh, movie from the from the Waynes Brothers. What? <laughs> White Chicks. Oh! <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> New to streaming is Givers of Death, or G-O-D. Get it? The journey of a man, a detective, and an entire city's quest for peace. 
The man seeks peace through atonement, the detective through revenge, and the city through resolution. Can peace be attained when one exists in constant chaos, be it in reality or in the mind? The sci-fi thriller is written and directed by Addison Henderson. It stars Louis Lombardi, Jason Delane Lee, Yvonne Huffley, Josie D. Vincenzo, Peter Johnson, and Addison Henderson. New in theaters is I Love My Dad. A hopelessly estranged father catfishes his son <laughs> in an attempt to reconnect. The comedy is written and directed by James Morosini. It stars Patton Oswald, James Morosini, Claudia Sulwiski, Amy Lendecker, Little Rel Howery, and Rachel Dratch. <laughs> That's a pretty great plot for a film, for a movie, actually. It is. The trailer is pretty amazing. <laughs> Uh, does uh, Patton play the dad? Oh, you bet. He, you better believe he does. <laughs> oh, that's great. All right, that's it for new releases, which means it's time for What Did We Watch This Week? There's this guy that lives across the street, and he's always looking over here. Looking over here how? Every time I look over there, he's just staring right at me. Hello, darling. Any reason in particular you're standing in the dark? Do you feel like coming in for a drink? Yeah. Have you noticed anyone watching you in your apartment? No. This guy has been watching us since we moved in. Maybe he's staring at the woman who's staring at him. What's happening? They found a woman murdered in her apartment. They're saying the woman had her head cut off. It's a man at the movie theater followed me into the supermarket followed you that's him just tell me what you want me to I want do. you to believe me it came out in june of this year but this week we watched watcher a young american woman moves with her husband to bucharest and begins to suspect that a stranger who watches her from the apartment building across the street may be a local serial killer decapitating women the psychological thriller is written and directed by Chloe Okuno, who directed a pretty cool segment in VHS 94, and is based on an original screenplay by Zach Ford. The film stars Mega Monroe, Carl Glussman, and my buddy, Bern Gorman. <laughs> <laughs> so as a warning, I'm sure there will be spoilers as we discuss Watcher, so if you haven't seen it yet, you may want to pause this, watch the movie, and come back. Otherwise, let's dig right in. So Matt and Tim, what were your favorite things about Watcher? So, yeah, I, um, I like the whole, like, retro feel of this movie. I liked, I actually liked the slow pacing. Um, I yeah. thought that it really helped, you know, building suspense. I thought the opening credits and, like, the, like, zoom out from yeah. the apartment, you know, window, like, watching them really kind of sets the tone nicely. I enjoyed the the nice um the way the title was the the typeface the title was mm -hmm. set in i thought it was um it's a very simple straightforward you know yeah. thriller but i liked it um it was pretty hitchcocky i liked you know as things progress you know i thought all the scenes where she you know is thinking that she is being followed and watched um I feel like they all get progressively, you know, more like unsettling. Um, 
And I thought they were all pretty great. Like the movie theater one, when he sits down behind her and just kind of like, kind of leans in and like Oof, exhales. Yeah. Um, pretty awesome. The, um, the whole scene in the supermarché um, <laughs> where he's following her. I thought that was great. I, I, I really like that. They don't um, show his face really mm-hmm. ever um, until like way closer to the end. Um, and then even when they do, it's like really weird. And he like, won't like make eye contact with her when they really, you know, see each other face to face and it's really weird and unsettling. Um, I thought that, yeah, like even like the images of him, like in his window, I thought were pretty cool. Um, and I liked how they kind of like made her made, um, Micah. Yeah. Is that how you say it? Um, Micah, Micah. I don't know. The character's name was Julia. Julia. Correct. I enjoy. I, I I thought it was a good choice to. They moved there, for work for her husband, and she's just kind of like along for the ride in this city where she doesn't know, know the the language and is still getting to know you know like what's going on around her like. It. I kind of like that in the beginning. You almost feel like she's like a little, like bored and almost like seeking mm-hmm. seeking out this like interaction with this person watching her for sure it like adds to the credibility that of the other people claiming she's like imagining it exactly and then all of a sudden she's like oh fuck um yeah yeah burn gorman so good (laughs) so good he's just great he's so creepy and weird looking um the scene on the train when they like oh are like face to face and like he like tells her that like it seems like it's like okay, but then he's like, I think you owe me an apology. And then she like yeah. starts noticing the bag and there's definitely like a fucking head in, in his plastic bag. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, that, that train scene was great. It went from like, oh fuck, to wait, oh my god, he's harmless, to oh fuck, he's not. I know. Like all like it was just like a fucking roller coaster. I know. It was great. I know. There's a head in the bag. Um <laughs> <laughs> and finally, um, I'll end with, um, I, <laughs> I enjoyed the, um, plastic bag vision from when she has <laughs> the bag over her, her own head when, you know, at the end when he, you know, yep. and like, yep. it kind of makes it look like his face is right on top of the smiley face, um, yeah. as mm-hmm. he's like talking to her, like about to kill her. Um, yeah, some fun in, um, creative things in this movie i agree yeah so yeah like matt i enjoyed the old the old timiness i mean for want of a better term you know like the you know the slower pacing of everything um i did think i think they did really well uh the that sense of just dread and paranoia when she's out and about and she's being followed like anyone who's had nightmares similar to that can like feel that type of Mm -hmm. thing you just can't shake no matter what you do, you just can't shake this person that you know is following you. Like you're trying so hard. I think they did that. They set that stuff up incredibly well. Um, I think they also did an incredibly good job of putting me in the mindset of this is what it's like to be a woman when people just fucking write you off. Mm. Yeah. So much gaslighting. 
so much so gaslighting in this movie. So much yeah. gaslighting. Like, and like Susie, one of the things Susie always talks to me about, and I, I don't know if like Diana or Chrissy have told you guys about this, but like how uncomfortable it is to be approached by strangers yeah. who are men because you don't, you feel like you like women feel like they have to be friendly because they don't know how the guy's going to react right. if they're not friendly. And it's just like, it's just like a whole world that we don't really have to deal with, yeah. which I thought this movie really captured very well. Yeah. Yeah, it absolutely did. Um, it, it really pissed me off uh, with her, mm. but her husband, Francis, I know. Um, I'm like, fuck dude. Like the making jokes about it in, Ugh. uh, brutal like in a language she in a language she can understand but you know then you find out oh no i've, I've been learning <laughs> <laughs> that was great that was it's, one of my favorite that was yeah. gonna be one of my audible mentions oh sorry well cut that no out. no no i'm just yeah i loved how like they revealed that like what a cool way for him to for her to reveal that she has been learning for <laughs> her to be able to be like i got you you motherfucker she's like yeah i'm <laughs> learning romanian asshole like yeah you know <laughs> Um, you know, at least the spider keeps her husband can keep her company at home. Ugh. Yeah, a fucking D-bag. But yeah, no, I think, uh, yeah, tone setting and the, you know, the old, old style way of shooting, uh, in terms of pacing, uh, were great. Yeah, uh, say pretty much all the same stuff as you guys. Um, this movie gave me a lot of, like, you know, uh, Dario Argento, Jalo vibes, mm, yeah. maybe a little like Brian De Palma, like early Brian De Palma type stuff. Um, the, and, and which I thought was great. And it captured the kind of story very, very well. There was no rush to tell this story, which I thought made it a lot better. And yeah, that, that fucking slow pan back during the credits was like opening credits was so smart because like she's taking her clothes off it, it reminded me of the fucking shot from jaws like playing on the voyeuristic nature of movies mm. you know at being in, inherently there's kind of a voyeuristic voyeuristic nature of watching a movie in a lot of ways and it just like put us it made us feel culpable it, it, it was it was just yeah, i thought it was really smart um the, the cast I thought was really great. Um, Maka Monroe was also in The Guest, and she was great in that. And uh, It Follows, I believe she was the main, the lead in It Follows. So she's she has kind of a history of doing, of, of being very good in horror movies. Um, and like, yeah, Bern Gorman, I, I, I never knew that was his name, but I've seen him in so many random things. He was in The Dark Knight Rises... He was in uh, a Pacific, Pacific Rim, Rim. <laughs> and he's he's always like he can either use his face to be creepy or he can use his face to be weird and awkward. But he just has a very unique face. And I like how well he uses it. He yeah. was such a good choice for this because he could have gone either way. He could have just been like a strange dude or a scary dude. And it, it worked perfectly. Um, I thought one of the smartest things that they did in this entire movie was not give us subtitles mm. yeah i oh. thought that was so fucking smart yeah because right. it made us relate to her even more yep you know like like we didn't understand what the fuck was going on just like her i thought it did such a good job of putting us in her shoes and like we spent all this time with her no one to talk to nothing to do just like really captured her loneliness and isolation you know i thought that was great um and i really liked uh, but yeah, my, probably my favorite thing about the movie was like the unknown nature of the watcher. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, 
they did a really good job about like making it seem like, especially as we learn more about him, they did a really good job of making it seem like he might just be a harmless weirdo who likes to work at a like strip club or whatever. Yeah. Um, he might just be a creepy dude, but harmless. And then there was like all these like red herrings. Like we thought at one point it seemed like the, the killer could be the neighbor girl's ex boyfriend. Right. Because coincidentally the watcher wasn't in the window during that period of time when the when the uh the knocking was happening at the door because at that point we didn't know if the guy in the window was the guy that was following her we didn't see him close up enough right yeah and then like then there was a possibility then it even seemed like maybe the killer could be the neighbor girl and then like the wave back scene was so creepy i love how like she looks down and then you see the hand go up and it still worked because for all we know the person watching in the window is not the serial killer they could be two completely different people. And like with for all we know, that could have been the ex-boyfriend in the window watching the other window where the other girl lived. And then he just happened to notice this girl waving at him. Hmm. You know, like it, it just it was just so great because there was so many there was so few answers and there was so many different things they could have done with it. And it just like kept us in in suspense. And that train scene was great because it he again, he could have just been a creep. There could have been a head of that bag. We don't fucking know. Um, and then when it actually gets revealed, I'm glad she was right the entire time because this movie clearly set up this narrative of people not believing her and right. everything. So I thought it would have really done a disservice to the movie if it what if she was not right about being stalked by this guy who was also the serial killer. Yeah. So I thought that was really smart. I was glad they vindicated her in the process. Absolutely. But kept us in suspense up until that point. Um. Do you have any honorable mentions or things you had mixed emotions about, sometimes known as the cronies, in honor of David Cronenberg? Um, I mean, I liked the decapitated body, but Ugh, yeah, that was good. <laughs> I mean, that was cronied. I mean, I was pretty cronied by that. Mm. Um, and I thought that was especially kind of shocking because they don't really sh- like that's kind of like the one p- piece of you yeah. know gore. explicit violence. Yeah, yeah. Gore. Um, yeah, it was very out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, so yeah, cronies for that, but good, good cronies. Um, I really liked all the music shout out to the, to the score, you know, um, I thought it was good for raising the tension and, and also keeping it kind of like, I mean, it, it like, like obviously takes place, you know, now, but like, you know, the music was good. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it was like it could have, you know, it wasn't super modern, which made it in the theme of, you know, what they were going for, I'm assuming. Yeah. Uh, Honorable mention goes out to that landlady. Um, (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Doing her job. (laughs) That's that's it. Honorable mention to the landlady. (laughs) Yeah, she she seemed to take her job seriously, even if she was annoyed most of the time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I had I had some cronies and some honorable mentions. Um, I had cronies about all the like about the apartment complex. It was so white and clean and with these high walls. And and I I don't know. I it might be just a me thing, but I have this like weird thing about like tall white walls. They just like kind of creep me out. I I don't know why. Not a fan but of the vaulted like, ceiling. It, yeah, I don't know. It it depends on the, the the scenario, but sometimes it really makes me uncomfortable for some reason. Okay. Um, and and on that note, 
I, I also had cronies about like the sound design in the movie, which may have just been a uh, a byproduct of where they were filming it. But the it was, it was there was this like constant echo, hmm. you know, from the t- from the tall from the high ceilings, and like when doors were closed, they made a lot of noise and 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 echoed. And I I thought that really like I don't know, it just kind of gave everything this kind of creepy. Yeah, it does. Open feeling. Yeah, because yeah, um, right. It, that open feeling makes you feel vulnerable. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like everything you do, someone could hear it. You know, yeah. like th- there's. It's hard for you to stay quiet in a place like that. Irina, uh, Irina, yeah. uh, her neighbor specifically says, "Like, oh, you can't hear us through the wall, huh? Well, you know, let me know. Yeah. If you, you're suspiciously quiet, we can't hear you guys. <laughs> right. Like it, it. It. Yeah. That must be what it is. Like it. It puts in the concept of what can people hear, what people can't. You know. It. It just kind of puts that it makes sure that's a, a point of contention in the movie yeah yeah so because that you don't it's re- it's revealed that you can hear a person's cell phone through the walls yeah yeah exactly um also i like how i it seems like the rise of you know uh the information age and and our data being sold and so forth and i think the isolation of covid has caused a real resurgence of modern paranoia thrillers great yeah which is i guess one of the only silver linings i can think of about you know recent shit um but that's i'll I'll take that um major cronies about her going alone into a dark mostly empty movie theater oh yeah that never goes well in in one (laughs) of these kinds of movies um but okay Honorable mention to her battle with cigarettes throughout the movie. Oh, yeah. Um, if you got, if anyone knows anyone who smokes or has smoked or quit smoking, I, I, I don't. But, you know, I know people who do. And that kind of like constant battle of like, I'm having a bad day. I'm going to buy a pack. No, never mind. Put it back. And the next thing you know, you see them, they're smoking. That's a very real thing that smokers go through, especially in stressful situations. Um, I loved her saying, maybe I've always wanted to live an aimless existence in Bucharest. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, as, as I said earlier, I loved her revealing that she learned Romanian by catching her b- shitty boyfriend on a shitty joke. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Honorable mention to the train gag when she's on the platform and she's all nervous looking around and then the train sneaks up on her. Oh, right. <laughs> that was fucking great. Um, and then... I, I had cronies, I guess, technically about the ending. Um, first, I was like, oh, fuck. Like, when he cut her throat, I was like, she's dead. Like, her only hope is her shitty boyfriend. He's not saving her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, then I got, you know, a pleasant surprise. And But I was like, wait, her, she's bleeding all over the place. Like, yeah. excuse me? That was Blah, a little... Blah, blah. A little much, but I don't know. Maybe people can lose that much blood from their fucking neck and be okay. I, I mean, I'm glad she lived, but that was a little threw me off. But one thing I uh, someone pointed out on Reddit is that she's an actor, which they yes. don't make a big deal of in the movie. So it actually helps to explain why she did such a good job of playing dead. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Chekhov's actor, shall we say. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. There's a literal Chekhov's gun. There is a literal Chekhov's movie. gun in this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That made me laugh. Um, it's been a while since we've actually had a Chekhov's gun. I feel like we always have Chekhov something else. Right. Um, <laughs> what didn't you like about Watcher? Was there anything that confused you? So just like you said, Alex, I, I didn't love the ending. Um, mm. I almost wish because up until that point, it's pretty. I mean, it's 
good, but it's pretty procedural. Um, And I was almost glad that, well, not glad, but (laughs) I thought it would have been interesting if she did, like, just die in something else, you know, it, like, wrapped up in a different way. Yeah. I thought the movie was going to go there. Like, look what happens when you don't, like, take people seriously and, you know, you know. I thought they were going to go there. Yeah. It's not the 1970s anymore. They won't risk it. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, 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 I didn't love that. And I didn't like, I mean, at the end of it, especially when she ended up surviving and shooting him, shooting burn. And then it just kind of ends. Um, yes. Especially at that point, I was like, I kind of felt like it was too straightforward of a plot of a movie um, mm. at that point. So, you, like, like once it all came together, you're just kind of like, oh, okay. Like, I could have used some another sure twist, sure, right? You know, right? Because I, for a while, I also thought maybe the killer was her boyfriend. Yeah, yeah, right. I thought that as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's. I mean. Because of its pacing, it can get boring. Yeah. It's, it's you know, it's... So, unfor- so, like, with that said, like, there was plenty of times when I was just like, all right, I know. All right, I know. this. <laughs> I, I, I know what you're doing, movie. I know what you're yeah. doing. Can we please just go? Can we please just go? I get it. So, I thought it was a little... T- I mean, that's just my probably my modern sensibilities speaking um, because of, you know, I've been soaked in post Michael Bay world. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like and I can appreciate it, but at the same time I can also feel every second. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's strength is, was its weakness for me. Sure. For me, I, I completely hear it. Obviously I said the same thing about the ending in a lot of ways. And I certainly hear the pacing issue. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know if the movie would work without it. So I'm going to not, I'm going to leave it out of bad, but, um, I had questions, I guess. Um, one, is it normal for people to shower with their earrings and necklace on? Oh. No. Because yeah. <laughs> she did. <laughs> right. Well, I don't know if maybe she was uncomfortable leaving those things out. Like, maybe that was like she didn't, she thought someone would steal that. I don't know. But at one point, she's showering with all that on. Maybe she, her brief time in Romania got her really, really racist against the Romani people. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. Who knows what that's saying. The other thing, and I think this is one of the, I would say this is the closest thing to a plot hole in the movie. She never gets actual closure from her fucking boyfriend when he goes over to the apartment with the cop. Right. I know. Well, he never, he doesn't tell, I like, if I were her, I would have lost my fucking mind. I would be like, you tell me what the fuck happened over there right mm-hmm. this fucking second. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, do not, like, keep me in the dark. Tell me right now. So that, like, really threw me off that they just kind of like let that go but yeah so this doesn't quite work there wasn't really any death scenes in the movie i mean we saw well there's one death scene and there's an a body <laughs> and an almost death scene yeah but you, you're, you're missing my favorite death of the movie oh yeah let's go my favorite death of the movie comes at the very end of the movie and it's not her shooting burn gorman it's the death of their fucking relationship <laughs> you're right because yeah, there she they is are done there she is bloodied she just killed her would-be killer 
And she <laughs> fucking looks at her boyfriend or whatever the fuck he is, <laughs> husband, boyfriend. I wasn't clear. Whatever. She looks at him like, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, like I wasn't like, yeah, motherfucker. That's what you get. <laughs> I was right. Yeah. So, yeah. My favorite death of the movie is that relationship because she can so do better. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. You're, I mean, you're right. Like, there's no coming back from that. Like, how do you possibly rebuild the relationship after that? Like, oh, sorry. I almost got you murdered. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You you don't. You don't. Right. All right. So, uh, would you give any random aesthetic choices in Washer or Breaky Award in honor of the Windbreakers and the Neil Blomkamp movie Demonic? Um, I liked, actually liked all the apartments and the high white walls. Um, <laughs> I mean, I looks... like them too, but they like make me uncomfortable. <laughs> um, yeah, I, um, I thought the apartments were very nice and very like, I mean, I've been to, I've been to Europe a couple times, but they, you know, I just liked how they looked. Um, right. and I liked the clothes. I like those dresses that, um, that, Julia wore. I thought they were very fitting for the movie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, kind of femme fatale move um, dresses. Yeah, so to speak. Um, Yeah, Uh, yeah. My break has to go to just Irina's whole vibe. The neighbor. Oh yeah, yeah. (laughs) She was. She was. She was spicy. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I believe the actor's name is uh, Madalena. Uh, Anya, I don't know how to pronounce the last name correctly, but Madalena, I think, is her first name. Yeah, Arena's whole vibe, man. Fuck yeah, what's up? She's cool. (laughs) She did have a cool vibe. She had a very, like, take no bullshit kind of vibe. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you on those. Um, I also, I, I, I like the choice of the, uh, the smiley face on the bag. Um, I thought that was, like, a creepy choice to make. Um, for the plastic bag, um, potential breaky for the red dress she wore, um, as like, as you mentioned, she has your cool dresses. I also really like the dress she wore to that, like cocktail party near the end that mm. kind of looked like a fancy trench coat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she had nice shoes that went with it too. I also like that big, cool, like golden stairway she's on after she storms out of the party. Yeah. That Did was you catch that, that like that stairway. Everything was gold. It looked really cool. Um, but I think my breaky would go to her zero fucks outfit after the uh, thing with the cop. Oh. She just has that like big black coat on and sweatpants and white shell toes. Mm-hmm. And she's just like, looks like she just doesn't give a fuck about anything. She's so mad at everyone. Um, that that was probably my favorite. Um, finally, would you recommend Watcher? I would. A simple, yeah. quick thriller. Yeah, it was a good, like, 90-something minutes, too, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. Hour 36. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah, I definitely recommend it. Uh, like you said, Alex, it's like we might be witnessing the resurgence of the paranoia thriller. Mm. Yeah. Uh, which is, I think, yeah. really good. And like I said, the old-timey nature of it in terms of genre and pacing, it's a, it's it's refreshing because you just don't see that sort of thing anymore. I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, I, I recommend it, too, if you like paranoia thrillers i this is if you like paranoia thrillers slash jallo movies i'd say this is like a good middle ground between those two right um yeah it's good and i think chloe Akuno is uh you know on her way to doing some cool shit so i'd say she's someone to watch 
<laughs> no pun intended. Hey. Um, <laughs> before we go, did either of you watch any other movies this week that you'd like to quickly recommend? Um, after um, talking about Alien last week, I watched um, a movie called Life with um, Jake. Oh, with, uh, with um, Jakey Jake Gyllenhaal and. Um, Oh Ryan yeah, Reynolds, right? and Van Wilder, yep. and um, <laughs> and Rose the Hat is in it, and who else is in it? I think those oh, yeah. are the only people that are really um, recognizable. Stuck on a space station movie. Stuck, mm-hmm. yeah, they're on a space station. They um, yeah. take a quick little jaunt over to Mars. Oh well, no, <laughs> something else makes the trip the trek to Mars and delivers a sample of um, yeah. what they think is like you know ancient life um and that sucker comes back to life <laughs> what and who could have seen this happen and antics ensue and um it was <laughs> it was very alieny um and i think mm. like overtly so like i think the filmmakers were basically like yeah we love aliens so we just made a movie that borrows from that um right and it was pretty goofy there was some cool um <laughs> the um the 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 alien in it is very non nondescript and very kind of like like whatever it like kind of just it's like, like looks, a blob kind of thing right yeah like it looks like a um some sort of like sea sea cucumber like not really cucumber wait um one of those <laughs> the like kind of like like they have like wings like a sea a sea snail maybe i don't know um <laughs> like sailing through the ocean i don't know i liked how um van wilder dies a pretty cool death and rebecca ferguson is great i love her i really really like her too. yeah in all in in what she does um but but it was a pretty goofy silly movie mm. some of it didn't really make any sense and yeah i wouldn't recommend it but it, it was <laughs> there were cool parts to it i saw that I rented it, I think, shortly after it came out, and I have almost no memory of it. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's what it is. Everything you said sounds right to what I remember. It's very like kind of forgettable, like, and, and and then at the end they try to like, it can't go to Earth. It mustn't get to Earth. And, <laughs> oh like, no! You know, you think it isn't, and then there's a whole like switcheroo with like, you know, the person you think is going to land that's going that's going to uh, go off into space with it is actually the person that lands on earth and everybody's doomed right. everybody's going to die that's um, what you get for trusting a benny jesuit witch i know <laughs> she's lady jessica i know she is lady jessica she, uh, a popular theory before that movie came out is that it was a secretly a venom prequel because it was coming out like right before the venom movie and i think they're both sony movies oh, oh interesting of and uh you know it could easily like they they, they totally could have mild it. tampering yeah. made it a, a venom movie yeah that's funny. There's Columbia Skydance and Mockingbird pictures released by Sony. Okay. Yeah. Freedom. Not yet. Up oh, the sound of one of the great lines from Rope. <laughs> I decided to say Robocop 2 out of heaven. One of the great lines from Die Hard 2 means we are out of time. We're taking a week off, but we'll be back the Monday after next with a new episode, assuming our oblivious corporate culture loving husbands don't make us move across the street from a serial killer before then. If you have any questions for me, Matt, or Tim, you can reach us through our email, aiptmoviespod at gmail.com, or find us on Twitter at aiptmoviespod. 
If you like this podcast or any of the other great podcast articles or features on AIPT, you can help support the site and the people who work on it by signing up for our Patreon at patreon.com slash AIPTcomics. Thanks for listening, and don't forget, it's okay to love movies. They may not be able to love you back, but they'll always be there for you. Bye. Toodles. Toodles.